chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. And the second reading is from Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So then, we're at the second in a series of the Bible. The first one at the family service, it was a little bit briefer, well, not a little bit briefer actually, was it really, but um, was um, the Bible explored, where we kind of outlined, didn't we? Well, I did. I outlined different types of writing and just trying to instill a bit of an enthusiasm, if you haven't already got it, as clearly people like Kevin already have, which is fantastic, enthusiasm for reading the Word of God, reading the Bible. But this week, we're looking at the Bible applied. How can it be relevant to our day-to-day lives? For so many people, the Bible is perhaps a bit of an unapproachable book, a book which is kind of difficult to get handled. I mean, it's like in that song, isn't it, On the Shelf or On Brian's Head, really. But it was just, you know, it was just that idea that you know, people put Bibles up there. I've been to, church, been to people's, not in this congregation, but in the past in ministry, I've been to people's houses who are regular members of the congregation, and I say to them, I should have had mine, shouldn't I? But have you got your Bible with you? And, and they kind of search for it, and then they come out, you know, eventually with this kind of teeny tiny script that they can't read. And it's nothing to do with long-distance glasses, as it is in my case. But, um, you know, the fact that they perhaps haven't used that Word of God and applied it to their life because they, they don't have that Bible readily accessible, something they read day to day. If people who are Christian particularly have that kind of approach to the Bible, devil, well, perhaps can have a bit of a field day, can't he? Because if you never get into the Word of God, then, then you can't actually use it, you can't actually apply it to your lives. You know? and, and also we have kind of condemning words. It talks about the Word being a good thing, but you can have condemning words which say, you're a rubbish Christian, you don't even read the Bible. You know? and, and, that, and then you can become that in your own mind and in your own heart, really. God wants us to have a new confidence to pick up his word, to get over, if you like, that barrier which many people have to really receiving and being inspired by the word of God. Dwight L. Moody said, the scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. 
And as Christians, we need that word of God to change and inspire our lives. Rather like, I don't want to just keep using Kevin as an example, but, but it's been brilliant talking to you about that journey of God. You didn't just do one Bible kind of in a year, did you? You did about three of them, didn't you? I mean, actually put me into kind of shame, really. You know, I'm just doing the one, you know. But, but just that enthusiasm, you know, the way that the Bible kind of fires you up to actually really then impact and change your life and transform you. So... All scripture, it said in that one of those readings in Timothy um, 2 verse, uh, 3 verse 16, is God-breathed. And I think I mentioned before about the fact that, that don't sort of miss out breathing. Don't miss out the breath of God. Unless we grasp hold of it, we can, I suppose, really resort to just using the Bible in emergency. You know, when we actually feel that we really need it. You know, like we're having a trauma or a difficulty and then we just sort of grab hold of the Bible in a desperate sort of hope that it might have something relevant in it. And, and we've got the picture, haven't we? Perhaps of the second picture. I didn't ask it's how to apply the Bible. Apply. The next one is, have you ever been, um, and this is a way that some people apply the Bible, a Bible flicker? You know, that you think, Lord, you know, I don't know this thing. I've got it off my shelf and you're dusting it. I don't know your shelves are like that in my house, but in your house, but they are in mine. And then you go, right then, Lord, just show me the answer to my problem. And you go like that. Because you really haven't got a clue where to look because actually you're not that familiar. There are people who are Christians who are like that, not familiar with the word. So they don't really know where to look for the direction and the guidance. And they resort to being like the Bible flicker. There's the old joke, which you may or may not have heard. And it talks about this guy who's really feeling quite down. And he flicks through the Bible and he alights on Matthew 27, 5. And he thinks, maybe this is a word from the Lord. And the word was, Judas hanged himself. Which clearly is not a good way to go, is it? So he flicked again. I do not like that bit. Luke 10, 37. Go and do likewise. And again, that, that wasn't really helpful. So he sort of searched yet more. And then John 13, 26. What you're about to do, do it quickly. And I presume that, hopefully, obviously that was really rather sad for him, but presume hopefully that was a joke. But, but sometimes you can do that, can't you? you? You kind of flick through, oh, you know, and it's spewed up on them. You know, that kind of thing. You can, relevant words or irrelevant words. Sometimes I've done it where I've flicked through the Bible and something's jumped out at me. But if that's the only kind of looking at the Bible that you actually do, then you are doomed, rather like that poor guy in that joke, to failure finger on the page like that isn't necessarily the best way and it's certainly not the only way that we as Christians need actually to engage with the word of God. Another kind of um, bad application of the Bible, we're starting off the good, the bad and the ugly, no the bad and the ugly first and then go on to the good. Another kind of bad application of the Bible is the Bible ferret. Have you ever come across ferrets in quantity. St. John's Church in Warrington have a ferret club, and when I used to look after their church, I went in and they absolutely stank. Anyway, that's okay. But anyway, ferret, okay. Do not be a Bible ferret. That rather like that, that guy who picked up the Bible, that you perhaps have a decision that you want to make or you're trying to work out the right way forward, but you've actually already made up your mind as to what you want that to be. So instead of actually seeking God and it praying and then kind of looking at the Bible, all of the stuff that, that God may say and looking at the relevant passages, you kind of ferret through the Bible and find the verses that actually back up what you want to say and want to believe. Have you ever done that? I know that there are people who do that, that this is my intransigent kind of mind and this is the Bible passage I'm going to apply to it. Sometimes people can treat the Bible rather like a ferret and ferreting out things that actually back up their preconceived ideas. 
It says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, A time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want them to hear. And sometimes we can be like that about the Bible, can't we? We actually just pick the bits that we actually like to back up our own preconceived ideas. The word, instead of those kind of random applications, the word of God actually needs to be the bedrock of our lives. It needs to be the place where our feet are planted so that we are stable, secure, and immovable in our faith. In Matthew 7, 24, Jesus talked about being a wise builder with their foot, well, with their house, actually, but similarly with us, with our feet placed upon the rock. If we have very little knowledge of the word of God, you can sort of have a picture of yourself, you know, a picture of the foundation that's sand everywhere, and then there's this kind of like a paving slab that you kind of stand on, and that's your rock. If you only have a very small experience of the Bible, you only read certain bits of it. But actually, as we develop and as we grow and as we build a stronger and a firmer foundation, as we do the Bible, not just for one year, but to do years and 10 years and 15 years, you get some people who are so kind of imbued, aren't they, in the Bible, in the Word of God, that they have a really solid and a firm foundation in which to actually begin to build and to grow and to live. You know, if you're thinking about that picture of the uh, sand and, and the sea, that, you know, if somebody had like a very small foundation on the sand and then the waves came and the wind came and then they kind of got rocked off that therefore it wouldn't be a very firm foundation the bigger the foundation in the word of God the more foundation the more solid ground you have to work and to move forward in and then when trouble comes we won't be like infants tossed back and forth by every wind of teaching by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming it says in Ephesians 4 verse 14 so then we don't just need to have a flicking acquaintance we don't need to just ferret for certain verses and look up in concordances for things that back up what we already believe we actually need to go digging deeper into the word of God in Job 28 it speaks in praise of wisdom which is again part of that whole understanding and it compares it to like digging in mines for gold and for silver and for precious jewels we need to dig deep there we go thank you Colin for the word of God so that we can apply it and those treasures can actually be applied in our lives. Rachel Hickson, who a number of you will remember, I should imagine, from a few weeks ago, wrote a brilliant book, and I'm nicking some of her ideas, and it's called Eat the Word and Speak the Word. And actually, as I was beginning to read it, I thought there's a whole nother week you can actually do in using the Bible uh, in prophetic speaking. And I might well add that one to the end of it, but uh, that's another story. But in, her, in that book, she talked about the Bible with kind of different pictures to describe it and, and what it means. And I'll just go through some of those pictures this morning just to give you an idea of good applications of the Bible. The Bible or the Word as shield. And there are various ways in which that can be seen in the Bible. Let me explain what I mean by that. When we're feeling vulnerable or in need of protection, the Bible can be like a shield to protect us, a barrier against opposition, a safe place of refuge. And I've needed that recently, and I'm sure we've all at times needed that, that shield to hold up against opposition and difficulty, and it will protect us. 
Psalm 18, let me just read that first of all. Psalm 18, 30 to 32, talks about that word being for the shield. As for God, she, oh, it's, it's the, the vision bit again. Okay, I'm going to go to my other glasses now, and then I'm going to stay with them so I can't see you, but I can actually see the word of God, which is actually the most important. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. That's one of those quotes. And then we've got one from Proverbs as well. Let's find that Proverbs passage where it talks about the Bible again being shield. Every word of God, it says in Proverbs verse 30, uh, chapter 30, verse 5. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And we need to do that, don't we? Sometimes we need to take refuge. We need to hold up that shield, which is the word of God, to actually help us. And and what's really good about that is that you know, if we can actually read through the Word of God, and I've started doing that actually, I've taken advice from Rachel Hickson, which is always a good thing, and what she suggests is, as you actually get a, a, a word from God that, that kind of, I'm going to take my other glasses off now, as you take a word of God that actually hits you and speaks to you, write it down on a bit of paper and write where it comes from and put it in a box and start memorizing it. Because there are things that, that actually speak to you, aren't they? And sometimes they come and then they've gone again, haven't they? But what would be really good is to actually take those words and memorize them and speak them and pray them into your lives and into your heart. And I suppose that's really part of the title of what she's saying is eat the word and speak the word and just, just take that word into you and, and, and let it be like a prayer in your, wor- in your life. One of the other things that um, the Bible is described at as is, is being a bit like water. Psalm 23, the word of God, Psalm 23, verse 3. He leads me beside green waters, and he, green, he restores my soul. Still waters, rather, and he restores my soul. And that whole dear idea of the Bible as water, I think that's a really good way of understanding and describing the Bible, the Bible because it talks about water actually cleaning and refreshing and hydrating. And it talks about water being like essential to life and to creation. Creation itself depends on water. We're all dependent on water. We're all made up of water. But as we take in the word of God, that satisfies us. It satisfies not only our physical um, needs, but also satisfies our spiritual thirst. Ephesians 5, 25, 27, it talks about word being, the word washes away the effect of sin. And if we think of our lives, and we think of the application of the Bible in our lives, there are times, aren't there, when we see stuff, we do stuff, we hear stuff that kind of messes up us up a bit, you know, it kind of dirties us a bit, sullies us a bit, and we need to actually be washed in the water of the Word of God to help us to get back in alignment with Him. And part of the grace course, you're very welcome whether you're doing anything or not doing anything tonight, the grace course and also the Freedom in Christ course that we're doing over at Lim is actually taking the Word of God and using it to bring that cleansing, to bring that, that release and to bring that refreshment back into our lives and applying God's word into all sorts of situations and forgiveness is really helpful. I mean, I find the freedom of Christ really good because I can actually apply the word of God into certain circumstances. Maybe if I need to forgive somebody, I'll actually go back to the word of God and and apply that, you know, that forgiveness and that need to forgive into my life. And that's something I totally recommend if it's not something you already do. Hebrews 4, verse 12 to 13, talks about the word being living and active sharper than a double-edged sword. 
In Ephesians 6.17, it also talks about being the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God being the sword of the Spirit. And there are different applications to that picture, even in itself. A sword can be used as defense against the enemy. Do you remember in the wilderness when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, he, he kind of countered the attack that he received by bringing the Word of God into that situation. But also, the Word of God can... I suppose you could describe it like circumcise your heart. It can cut out stuff in your life that's not of God. We do need in our lives powerful weaponry to overcome evil. The word of God is and can be, it's just a weapon in the battle of our minds. You know, that if if we come against torment or intimidation or or bad words from other people or bad words through other people from from the devil, we need actually to bring the word of God into that situation. We're to say, no, that's not true. The word of God, the truth is this. It's kind of the devil's lives rather than the word of God, which is the truth. And there are many circumstances that we can actually use that word, the sword of the spirit, cutting into our personal lives, but also cutting into to defend us against things that actually are against us. The word of God also being like a plumb line is another picture. A benchmark. A consistent standard. In many contemporary debates, people would say that God needs to update his standards to fit in with modern culture. But his word is a plumb line. It's constant. It never changes. Isaiah 40 verse 8, it says, The grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah 28, 17 says, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. The word of God will highlight when we're compromising. And if we don't have the plumb line in our lives, we won't know when we're going away from what is that straight line, that direction and guidance according to God. And another picture, yeast. You could spend a sermon on all of these, to be quite honest, but just, it just gives you kind of a, an understanding of the rich tapestry of some of the words that actually describe what is the word, what is the Bible. In the parable, it talks about yeast going through the dough and how it changes the nature of that dough. But also, it's like that with yeast being the word of God. It spreads and it changes things. Yeast on flour changes the whole consistency of that substance. And if you've ever made bread, it kind of goes from like flour and water paste into kind of a risen kind of puffy stuff. And if you poke it, it comes back out again. And it's just, it's amazing how it transforms and changes what is basically flour and water paste with a bit of sugar thrown in. But how does the yeast of the word affect your life? How does the yeast of the word of God affect your day-to-day decisions, your behavior, your attitudes, your reactions? The challenge is, are you going to release the yeast of the word of God to really impregnate your life and change you and transform you into something that's not just a lump of dough, but it's a living and breathing being? The next one. Word as medicine to the soul. It says in Proverbs 3.8, it will bring health to your body and medicine to your bones. Take hold of the word of God is a challenge for today. Receive it and speak it into your life. The word has the ability to comfort, to soothe, and, and to cut to the quick. The power to work in us and through us 
And we all know, don't we, the, the power of even human hurtful words. But also we know the power of healing words. How much more would be those healing and affirming words when they come from the living word of God? Because they are promises of God. They are things that we can speak into our lives and they will come. The word as an arrow. Arrows kind of get propelled, don't they? And they hit a very precise spot. And they go in really deep. The word of God is something that can hit the very precise spot where you need it to touch you and to really speak to you. But also, and I don't know if you've ever had, I've had that where I've just, something's just jumped out and I've just thought, wow, that really is just so much speaking into my situation. But also, as that word speaks into our hearts, and it may be a word which is an encouraging word, it may be a word which is a word that actually spelts into action and we need to change and to transform things. But as that word comes into our life, it says in Isaiah 55.10 that it isn't, it doesn't say this because it isn't about boomerangs, but, but it says that God's word doesn't boomerang back, basically. It, it hits there and it stays there. It's the same with my word, it says in Isaiah 55.10. It will not return to me void. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God doesn't just give you a word and then say, fair enough, that's not going to happen. He gives you a word and maybe he expects action to make that come into its being and praying and working together. But God does not send a word and for it to return void light. God's word is light. A light unto my feet and my path. We had that song and that reading, didn't we? And I think there's two aspects of that. Lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. The lamp unto my feet is the kind of the nearest thing, you know, the next step. Have you had times when you can't see anything way out in the front? You just don't know where you're going, but you just, there's that lamp to your feet, which is the next step, and that's all you can take in that circumstance and situation. God's light is that for us. But also, he does bring a light into our path. He does show us further in the distance. But there are times when perhaps God leads you to a crossroads, and that's where you have to stay. That's where you have to wait. That's where you have to trust God and and listen. But eventually, his promise is that he will give a lamp to our path that we will see further ahead. And he will show us the way and tell us how to walk in it. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And also, on that flame theme, the word is fire. God's word can melt cold hearts. God's word is is like a fire in our belly. It talks in Jeremiah 29. His word is in my heart like a fire. And I'm thinking of, of, it's kind of an exciting and stimulating and just amazing thing. But also the fire burns up all the dross in our lives. That can sound quite painful and quite difficult at times. But also that word burns with an intense love for us and can never be quenched. That fire in us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God's word speaking into our lives, can actually help us to work with him to set the world ablaze. 
There's a kind of a link reading which links the idea of the fire and also the next picture, the hammer. Jeremiah 23, verse 29, it says, Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? The word hammer indicates the word of God is an instrument of of breakthrough. The word of God has power to demolish strongholds, to smash down the lies of the enemies, as I was talking about earlier, but just that idea of hammering in the word of God. It smashes arrogance into pieces and overcomes opposition. Hosea 10.12, it talks about break up the unplowed ground. It's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness upon you. There is that, that hammer action of God's word to bring breakthrough. And sometimes when you're praying and praying and praying for something, and as you soak up God's word into your situation, as you read what he's saying, and, and he just shows you and he brings you breakthrough into the direction that he's leading you. God's word is seed. We all know the parable, don't we, about the seed and the sower. The potential for growth and for harvest and how it needs to be planted in our lives. And the only people who are going to plant it in our lives are us when we read it. It comes back to that same idea of of having that enthusiasm for for soaking up God's word. But there's something special about seed. It talks in 1 Peter 1.23 about the sperma word. You've been born again, it says in that passage, not of a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living, enduring word. And that word is the word sperma of God. And that sperma word is capable of impregnating over spirit and making us pregnant, if you like, with the promises of God. It's the idea of the living word that actually puts in us that seed of God, to puts in us that desire for the promises of God to actually work. And as we receive his word into our lives, we make room for the seed of his destiny for us to grow. And as we take time in God's word, those seeds will take root in our hearts, will germinate, will be watered, and will grow into a harvest. I suppose the question to be asked is, are you pregnant with the promises of God in your lives? And are you inspired to dig into the word for what he has promised you for salvation? What has he promised you for sanctification? What has he promised you for your purpose in life? You won't find that just out there. You will find that in the word of God as you seek, as you dig into it, and you listen to what his word is saying into your life. It's no good just feasting off somebody else's regurgitated words. We're not birds. We are people. And we need fresh bread. Talks in Matthew 4, 4. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Israelites in the wilderness, and you may feel in a bit of a wilderness this morning, they sought fresh manna, fresh bread, relevant to their lives, nourishing them in that situation that they were in. What is your word for today? What's God saying to you? this morning. Not the person next to you, but you. Let's just listen for a moment as we prepare to receive his body. What is the living word relevant to you for this season? Let's just pray.
we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we are sorry, Lord, for the times when we've just taken it for granted and not even taken it. We're sorry for the times when we've taken it loosely or lightly. We've ferreted around to find what our itching ears wanted us to hear. We're sorry for the times when we've not taken it too seriously and just flicked through and expected the finger in a divination kind of way just to lead us. We pray today, Lord, that you will just help us to have that through your Holy Spirit. Desire to thirst upon your word. The desire for your fresh bread, for your water, for your sword. Lord, cut into our hearts and circumcise our hearts, Lord, and cut away the rubbish, the dross in our lives. And Lord, let your sword of your spirit be living and active. So that as we come together, we may be one in you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.